Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Right Side with Doug Billings. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening on all of the podcast platforms in America. We just got news today. We are on Pandora. We're actually very happy about that. But we are on all of the podcast platforms. So whether you uh, subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and now Pandora, whatever. There's lots more, but we are there and we're on all of them. It's really exciting for us here and we appreciate your support. We've been named one of the most up-and-coming new political conservative uh, talk shows and commentaries in the country. And it's an honor that we're very appreciative for. We are grateful and we're happy. If you want to see the glory, the splendor, the charisma, the passion, and I might add beauty of the program, you'll want to go over to YouTube and subscribe to us over there as well. Please look us up. The Right Side with Doug Billings. On YouTube, subscribe to us. Give a click to a few videos. Like and comment on them. Keep it nice. And subscribe to us on your favorite platform uh, for podcasts as well. So, ladies and gentlemen, wow, a quote for you. Does anyone think, does anyone actually think that there's going to be less violence in America if Donald Trump is elected? Have you heard that quote? Do you know who said it? This is a major political subtextual signal that if, if President Trump is reelected, there will be more violence. You can count on it. That's what that quote means. I didn't say it. I'm simply observing it. I'm simply listening to it. I'm simply analyzing it. It's significant on multiple levels. But what does it mean? What could that little quote possibly mean? It seemed so harmless when you just kind of see the person reading it, saying it, thinking that he's speaking it. Does anyone think that there will be less violence if President Trump is elected? Does anyone think that there will be less violence in America if President Trump is reelected. Now, when you read this quote, or you hear it over and over, and you begin to let it percolate through you, and you begin to kind of meditate on it, you think about it, you begin to analyze it, which, of course, is what my excellence is all about, you know, the analyzation of liberal intellectual immaturity. That's what I'm good at. That's what I was born to do. Point out the intellectual immaturity of liberals. So here's the deal. That quote that I've read already several times in the short but beautiful span of this program is from a nominee for the President of the United States. A nominee for President of the United States, mind you, of a major political party who has made a threat of continued violence if President Trump is reelected. It's almost as if, you know, my psychology teachers back in in college would say, you know, Mr. Billings, that's a subtextual comment. You better re-examine what you're really saying there because I think the subtext is more violent than what is actually being said. Well, you're damn right. 
It's almost subtextual, but as I began to think about it and apply my astute professional analytics to it, and my ability to understand and read between the lines of what these new Democratic Socialist Party candidates actually mean, it's not subtextual. It's overt. It's out there. It's dangerous, that quote. Well, and if you haven't guessed already, uh, if you haven't guessed already, you're from Raytown, Missouri. But if you haven't guessed, it's uh, it's a quote that Joe Biden gave and said in a speech just the other day in, in Pittsburgh where about 25 people showed up to uh, see him speak. Um, and he is, he is the nominee. Don't get me wrong. He's the nominee of a major political party. I had predicted that he's not going to be the nominee. I still stand by it. I think that before the election, Joe is going to be out. He's going to be out. They're not going to let him run. This is just kind of a, a warm up. But Joe is the uh, the uh, nominee, the current nominee of a major political party in the United States. But make no mistake, Joe Biden's political party is not an American political party. The New Democratic Socialist Party clearly, and you can't deny it, evidence of the obvious is sufficient. It's clearly not an American political party. All they want to do is to gut America. They want to disembowel it. They want to destroy the republic as it's founded by our founding fathers. Look, look at it this way. Joe is the front man of the band named Radical Socialist. Hey, man, let's go see Radical Socialist. I hear Joe's going to be singing, man. I hear Springsteen's warming up for him because, you know, Springsteen's so irrelevant these days. He's now the warm-up guy. But Joe's not the songwriter of the band Radical Socialist. No, no, no. He's not the lyricist. Doesn't do any of the notes. Doesn't do any of the lyrics. He's just the voice. The voice of the band Radical Socialists. Does he look like a radical socialist? He asked the question. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. I mean, if Bernie Sanders was just walking down the street and saying, do I look like a radical socialist? No. But Joe and Bernie certainly act like radical socialists. But these band members, the new, you know, the radical socialist, this new band where Joe's the front man, the vocalist, the band members are the usual crowd. And you can guess what I'm going to say, who I'm going to say. You got Chuck, you got Nancy, got AOC over there. You got Bernie, Kamala, Ilhan. All of the members of the new Democratic Socialist Party are writing the lyrics to Joe's tunes now, ladies and gentlemen. And you know what? When you're at one of these concerts, you know the mosh pit? Well, Joe Biden and his band, the Radical Socialists, have created a mosh pit in all of the cities that are run and managed by members of the new Democratic Socialist Party. Seattle, Portland, New York, Minneapolis, Kenosha, Kansas City, Chicago, you name it. Wherever there's riots happening, there's only one thing in common. They're run and managed by members of the New Democratic Socialist Party, and they are the mosh pit 
for Joe Biden's band, Radical Socialists. It's happening right out there in your streets, ladies and gentlemen. Mosh pits gone wrong. Then we have also this week, if Joe and his band isn't enough, the CDC comes out with an updated total of COVID-19 deaths based on primary causes of death, ladies and gentlemen. Well, look, although I'm aware that, I mean, I am, I'm, I'm aware that my presence on this show, I mean, I, I, there's, a, there's an undeniable charm. Let's just be honest. We don't, need, we don't need to be politically correct. There is a certain charisma that you all like. Even the guys, hey, man, yeah, Doug Billings on the right side. That dude's on fire, man. You know, honestly speaking, there is. There's a certain magnificence to all of this, and there's a truth. There's a brilliance. There's the ability to read between the lines. I'm aware of it. The glory of this is obvious. But I've never been one to let ego get in the way of what I'm trying to tell you folks. We said what the CDC said back in May. What the CDC said this week, we said the same thing back in May. We did. We said it. Look us up. Look us up on YouTube. Go to the video. Total causes of death by COVID. We did a story on death certificate deaths back in May of 2020, where we took all of the death certificates throughout the country from January through May and looked at what was the primary cause of death. Now, my team did it. They did the analysis. I was just the face of beauty that reported it. They did the analysis. And what we found out in all seriousness back in May was that only 10 to 15,000 people had died of COVID as a primary cause of death. Now, in May of 2020, you may recall, if you look it up, they were saying that 100,000 people had died from COVID-19. The narrative of the fake media has no morals, has no ethics, it has no North Star compass. They will say whatever it takes to derail and destroy President Trump and support the new Democratic Socialist Party. So, yes, back in May, we ran this program. It's out on YouTube. It's on the podcast. Ten to 15,000 people had died in May from COVID when it's the primary cause of death. You see, we made the distinction between primary cause of death and death from multiple pre-existing conditions, which the CDC this week came out and admitted that 94% of all of the 180-some-odd thousand people that they claim died from COVID, 94% of those died from something else. And let me tell you this to you naysayers who said, well, yes, but if they didn't have COVID, they wouldn't have died. B.S., That's BS. They died from multiple other pre-existing medical conditions. COVID did not kill them. I mean, come on. We have got to be able to stand up and say the truth, not be afraid of the truth, and stand up for the truth when it's not being said. Those who died of pre-existing, multiple pre-existing medical conditions would not have died 
if they didn't have those pre-existing medical conditions. Now, look, I'm not being flippant about people who died. It's sad. Every death is tragic. Every year, 65 or so thousand people die of the flu. Where was all of this fake sympathy and fake outrage over the last 55 decades since the modern era of people who have died of the flu? It wasn't there because there wasn't a radical left mob who wanted to tyrannically oust and and form a coup d'etat against a duly elected president. That's the difference. I mean, look, it's, it's time, folks, it's time that somebody just has the guts to say it out loud. So I'm going to be the first person that you hear broadcast this. No one else will say it yet. But here you go. Are you ready? Sit down. Grab a drink. Buckle in. You ready? Getting COVID-19 is no big deal. Dramatic pause. Unless you're medically fragile. God, if, if you are medically fragile, for the love of God, take care of yourself. Stay indoors and quarantine yourself. But we who are not medically fragile are not going to quarantine ourselves, and nor should we. COVID-19 is not a big deal. This entire charade, the COVID-19 misinformation campaign, has been diabolical. It's been political. And as it turns out, it's not the zombie apocalypse that the fake news members of the new Democratic Socialist Party want you to think that it is. I'm going to say it again. COVID-19 is not a big deal if you're not medically fragile. Herd immunity on average in the United States takes about six months, maybe nine on the outside, but about six. So let's just recap the highlights of truth about COVID-19. If you are not medically fragile, you enjoy the following statistical truths. Now, if you're from Raytown, Missouri, statistical truths means that the vast majority of you will fall into the categories that enjoy the following benefits. If you are statistically immune, that means that most of you are immune. There will be some of you who get it, but most of you won't. But let me let me just, I don't want to digress too far for the folks from Raytown who might need help, but we want to revisit the truth about COVID, and here you go. Number one, if you are under age 60, age 60, now my 26-year-old son would say, that's pretty old. But if you're under age 60, you've got about a 98.6% chance of survival. That's statistically 100%. 98 98.6% is a statistical 100% chance of survival if you're not medically fragile. Number two, for those of you who are under 45 years of age, 
you're statistically unaffected by the virus, and you have a statistical 100% chance of survival. That means that most of you in this category will survive if you're not medically fragile. Those people that are between the ages of 21 and 40, again, statistically unaffected by COVID-19, but you have a bonus. You'll have mild to no symptoms of COVID-19. And you enjoy that treasured 100% chance of survival, a statistical 100% chance of survival. Number four, now here's the big one. People from age birth to age 20. Johnny, what's the prize for the people from birth to age 20? Behind door number two. Statistically unaffected, mild to no symptoms, and a statistical 100% chance of recovery. Asterisk. Within none of those previous points did I state that you won't get COVID. You may well get COVID, and it's no big deal. It's no big deal because you have a statistical 100% chance of survival. If you're not medically fragile, you're going to live. You're going to carry on. Now, those of you that are medically fragile, sequester yourselves, quarantine yourselves, and take care of yourselves. The healthy people in this country should not wear masks. Herd immunity takes about six to nine months to take hold. The misinformation campaign has got to end, and somebody, and I'm going to be the first, is saying it again, COVID-19 is not a big deal. It's a political deal, but it's not a big deal. We've got to stop it. Now, here's the kicker. I just left off with birth to age 20, statistically unaffected, 100% chance of recovery. You know something else? There's not a case on this entire planet of somebody within that age range of birth to age 20 who gets COVID of passing it on to somebody else. Not a case on the planet of anyone between birth and age 20 who has COVID who's passed it on to somebody else. So all of you teachers union leaders out there who are fanning the fears of false panic and all of you fake concerned teachers who've publicly stated things like, oh, I'm going to get my will and my affairs in order because if they make me go back to school, I may die. You're abject kooks, if you think that, and you're abysmal and abhorrent liars if you say it and make others believe it. Another thing, you teachers, all of you who have said that you don't want to teach because you're afraid that you're going to die, let's be honest. Let's not be politically correct here. You're the teachers who've never wanted to teach anyway. You're the teachers who long for Thanksgiving break. And then just a month later, you can't wait for Christmas break. It's a few weeks longer after all. Winter break, Christmas break. And then once Christmas break is over, oh my God, I can't wait till Martin Luther King Day, another three-day weekend. And then 
it's not too long till May, the end of the school year. I'm off for three and a half months. You teachers who are wallowing in self and wildly unnecessary panic about the COVID-19 and about your students passing it on to you are teachers who don't give a damn about actually teaching kids. You're the ones who got into teaching because you think you'd only have to work eight months out of the year. And to superintendents, who I believe genuinely are common sense people, it's time that you superintendents across the country stand up for the dreams and the aspirations of your students. As of right now, in the school districts that are delaying the opening of in-person classroom teaching, if you're delaying sports, if you're delaying or canceling sports or extracurricular activities, canceling anything about school, you are fundamentally destroying, dashing, and erasing the hopes and dreams maybe even the lives of your students. Have you taken a look at the suicide statistics? Kamala Harris made a point about tweeting today that September is Suicide Awareness Month. Well, here's one for you, Cammy. There have been more people that have committed suicide between January 2020 and August of 2020 than at any time in our republic's history. The root cause, undoubtedly, is because of your New Democratic Socialist Party's wildly unnecessary economic shutdowns and school closures throughout the country, driving people to hopelessness. It's just needless, it's pathetic, and it's unnecessary. All of these economic shutdowns. And the refusal to open schools is normal. So superintendents and school board members, I'm talking to you. Stop dashing and destroying the dreams and hopes of your students. It's a sin. It is a real sin. Now, as we always do on this program, we we look and we try to find a bright side to the right side. The right side, bright side to all of this is that these kids whose hopes and dreams that you're dashing, and I'm speaking to the members of the New Democratic Socialist Party and all of you school officials who are closing and refusing to open schools. The bright side is this, and I guess I'm talking to the patriots and the Republicans and the common sense folks and the kids and the students as well. There is a bright side because these kids whose dreams that you're dashing and destroying, they're going to grow up and they're going to have their own children and their children will have grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And these kids today are going to teach their kids, their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren to fear socialism, to run away and get away from the new Democratic Socialist Party, to fight economic shutdowns, to not cower in fear against viruses. You need to believe it. And you need to hang on to that, kids, students, people of America, of the world. You need to believe it. We will prevail. 
We're going to win this thing. Our God is with us. The founding fathers are right by God's side. And they're bequeathing divine providence upon President Trump and upon this republic. You can count on that. And you need to believe it. You have a pack of blessings on your back, ladies and gentlemen. Take inventory of that pack of blessings every day. That's the hope. That's the good news. That's the right side. And that's what we believe. So as we end always, may God, ladies and gentlemen, may God continue to bless you. And may God continue to bless, to guide and protect President Trump. And may God continue to bless and guide the United States of America. Doug Billings on the right side. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Good night.